Christmas. Welcome to the podcast. This is Tom Smith. Last week we read Matthew's Christmas story, and this week we'll read Luke's Christmas story, which is probably the more popular one of the two. My cousin's wife, Jennifer Lind, sings our podcast intro, and I want to thank her for contributing to the ministry. She has a Christmas album out called Christmas State of Mind. You can just type uh, Jennifer Lind Christmas into Google or YouTube, and she'll come up. She's got a unique song on there. It wasn't his child, along with famous ones like Mary Did You Know and Do You Hear What I Hear. So if you're looking for Christmas music, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. The title of today's message is Jesus Our Shepherd. Jesus Our Shepherd. Now, I'm not going to read all this chapter, but let's start in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. For as much as many, that's not a few, <laughs> have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. He's talking about the church 100% positively believed most surely believed. They have absolute confidence in what they believe, even as they delivered them unto us, which were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses. This is not hearsay or secondhand knowledge. These are eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding. He's saying, I have seen and heard it all of all those things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty. Know the certainty means everything I'm about to tell you is factual. You can be sure. These are all true stories of Jesus Christ compiled into one gospel. Of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. We went through these first few verses of Luke's gospel. So you'd understand this is not fiction. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a made up story. But a true account of his life from eyewitnesses. Who were there from the beginning. Even before he was born. The Bible was written to build your faith not give chronological history, so that's why the gospel evangelists sometimes differ, although they were all perfectly inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. We learned last week, Matthew was an accountant writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. Luke, on the other hand, here, he's a physician writing to a Greco-Roman or Gentile audience. Theophilus was a common Roman name 
and calling him most excellent means he had some degree of social standing. With that in mind, we see the narrative starts out discussing John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And since this is Christmas, we'll focus on the portions related to the birth of our Savior. Amen? Let's go on to verse 26, where we have the Annunciation of Jesus Christ. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary now only two good angels are mentioned in the Bible or their names are mentioned in the Bible Michael and Gabriel and in Daniel we see they work together to fight the powers of darkness and Gabriel, it says, stands in the presence of God. By the way, you have angels assigned to help you. They help you meet the right people. They help you find a job or a place to live. And I've got other teachings on that. So you don't need to call on Michael or Gabriel. Your angels will work just fine. Gabriel, I believe, is sent to Mary because... This is one of the most important assignments in the history of the world. And, of course, the enemy wants to stop it. Notice, too, we see Luke's mention Mary as a virgin to emphasize that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She has wisdom. She's a young woman, but she has wisdom. She had questions in her mind, but she did not open her mouth. When it comes to the things of God, you better carefully consider your words so you don't speak doubt. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Notice the angel told Mary the child's name. In other words, God the Father named him Jesus before he was born. The Bible also calls him Jesus Christ and Jesus of Nazareth because Christ is Greek for the anointed one and he grows up in Nazareth. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. She had a question, but she didn't have any doubts about the word of God delivered by the angel. The question and answer here also help us understand what happened. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and he would be the Son of God. Last week in Matthew's account, we read his name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We believe in the Trinity, the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus is also called God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Why did Gabriel tell her about her cousin Elizabeth? This was a confirmation that what he was telling her was the truth and would certainly come to pass. So Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth for a few months, probably until she had her baby boy John the Baptist. And then, of course, we see several prophecies recorded here in Luke as Elizabeth blesses Mary. Then Mary magnifies the Lord in what we call the Magnificat. And later, Zechariah prophesies. Now let's go on to chapter 2. This is where the traditional Christmas story would begin. And I'll read this straight through. Verse 1, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Praise the Lord. There's something very special and peaceful about that story. Isn't there? The shepherds visiting the newborn babe lying in a manger. All is calm. All is bright. The Holy Spirit ministers to us through the text of the Word of God. A simple reading of the Word of God can bring peace and healing to a given situation. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let's go back to verse 1. What do we see? Taxes. Taxes are mentioned four times. Why does the government have to get involved in the birth of Christ? I believe this was on purpose. So we would know the exact year Jesus was born, which we now believe is 4 B.C., based on our modern calendar. We also see Joseph and Mary, our law-abiding citizens. They dutifully pay their taxes. Jesus famously said, Render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. What does God want? Your heart and your soul. Throughout these first two chapters, the law of Moses is mentioned many times. So they obeyed the laws of Moses and the Roman government, which would dispel any theories that they taught their son to rebel against the law, religious or Roman. Remember, Luke is writing to Greeks and Romans which would also include leaders of Rome. This gospel is addressed to the most excellent Theophilus, who is a Roman with social status and maybe governmental status as well. By writing all this, the Holy Spirit through Luke is telling us Christianity is not a religion of rebellion, but obedience. Next we see the trip to Bethlehem. And there's nothing like a road trip during pregnancy, right? It says she was great with child. 
I think this means she was more than just showing. She was obviously very pregnant. And it's not like they were riding in a luxury SUV either on smooth paved roads. We know they weren't rich, so she might have ridden a mule and he walked. So the innkeeper didn't have any room. Probably because they were so busy due to the census. It doesn't say Joseph couldn't afford a room. It says there weren't any available. Later in the story, we find out they offer a pair of birds instead of a lamb at his baby dedication, which indicates they were relatively poor. And this was, of course, before the wise men showed up. And I've been to the spot where tradition says he was born, and they have a star there. Four different denominations share the church, called the Church of the Nativity. The church is built over that location. It was a lot of fun. Lots of tourists go there. So I think we had to wait an hour or more in line just to see the star. The door of the church is really small, and you have to crouch down just to get into the church. It's made of solid stone with only a few small windows way up high. Anyway, it was a great experience, and I highly recommend it if you visit Israel. So she wrapped him. She wrapped the baby Jesus in swaddling clothes. Now, these are just strips of cloth. Apparently, they didn't have diapers or onesies back then. And I like that phrase, swaddling clothes. It's so distinct. Amen. And she laid him in a manger. Now, a manger is the feeding trough. It's not the whole barn with the arch and the star and all that. When you see a nativity in someone's yard, usually it has part of the structure or barn. But the actual manger is the feed trough where Jesus was laid, probably on a bed of hay. A humble beginning to a miraculous life. Now, some shepherds were watching their flocks nearby when suddenly they were visited by angels. And this scene has inspired many Christmas carols. Two of the most notable ones. Hark the herald angels sing. And then joy to the world. The Lord is come. Amen. I love both of those songs. You'll have to excuse my singing. I love to sing. I even have a friend from college, by the way. His name is Harold. What's funny is some of the hymnals, you'd think the word Harold is an adjective of the word angels. Hark the Herald angels sing. Right? But I think more appropriate punctuation would be an explanation point there after the word Harold. Hark the Herald. Exclamation point. Angels sing. Anyway, yeah, the herald is a person, a person or an angel that would make an announcement. So could it be herald as an adjective? Sure, maybe so. I think this is kind of a debate. I don't know if some uh, lyricist musicians could figure that out, but I think it's always kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, so the herald, the, uh, the shepherds were looking with wonder and amazement at the angels, listening to what they're saying. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What does this mean, peace on earth, goodwill toward men? 
Men here obviously refers to mankind, not just males. The angels are announcing Jesus will fill the gap between God and mankind. He will be the go-between. He will be the intercessor. God is holy and we are not. Without Christ, that is. When you receive Christ, you are made righteous. So the angels are announcing the primary purpose of Jesus coming, which is to redeem us from our sins so we can have a right relationship with God. God is not mad at you. He loves you. Peace on earth, goodwill to the world, to all of us. Goodwill to you, goodwill to me. God wants nothing but goodness in your life. The shepherds found favor with God, and they were the first ones to visit the newborn Savior of the world. After worshiping him, they returned home, glorifying and praising God. There's something about shepherding that God really likes. We see shepherds and sheep mentioned throughout the Bible, starting with Adam and Eve's second son, Abel. Moses was a shepherd before he led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage of Egypt. David was a shepherd before he became king of Israel. As shepherds, they spent hours communing with the Lord. David wrote most of the Psalms while playing his, playing his harp and watching the flocks. Of course, he had to be ready to fight the occasional wolf, lion, or bear. That's what a good shepherd does. He fights the enemy. We learned last week, Jesus is the king of kings, and we are supposed to reign with him on this earth. What did David do before he reigned as a king? He spent many years worshiping the Lord. If we want to be good rulers in the kingdom of God, we have to worship the Lord and learn to be good shepherds first. In the kingdom of heaven, we must first learn to worship the Lord all the time, not just part of the time. The Lord said to King David, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. In this passage, we see the Lord comparing a shepherd to a ruler and sheep to the people. When Jesus was here on earth, Matthew writes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Over and over throughout his ministry, people would come and try to make him king, but he didn't want to be king. At that time, he was called to be a shepherd. In his earthly ministry, he wasn't a ruler. He wasn't governing he was out teaching, preaching, and healing. He was doing what a good shepherd, or really a good pastor, would do. The Lord, through the prophet Jeremiah, said, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. The role of a pastor or shepherd is to preach and teach the word of God. We don't need to hear the opinions of politicians athletes, and billionaires. We need to hear the word of God. 1 Peter 5.4 says, 
Jesus is the chief shepherd. That means pastors and Christian leaders need to take their instructions from him. If you don't have a shepherd, you're like a sheep that is scattered. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. When you come to Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2.25 says, You are as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I'm so glad he's the shepherd of my soul. No one knows what happens after we leave this earth, except what we might hear from others. We haven't been there. Obviously, nowadays we can hear about near-death experiences but many of these are misleading. You haven't been to the other side. Some people say they are the master and captain of their soul. Well, isn't the captain of the ship supposed to know where the ship is going? Hasn't he usually been there before? It's dangerous to sail in uncharted waters. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Without Christ, you're in trouble. You'll end up going to a place you don't want to go. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Give Jesus a chance. Let him be the shepherd of your soul. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how he was a good shepherd to the people. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He was a genuine pastor to the people of Israel when he was on this earth. After you receive him, you can rule and reign on this earth with him. But first, you have to receive him. You have to submit yourself to his lordship. He is compassionate and loving. Make him the lord of your life and you won't regret it. I promise. Just repeat this prayer after me and you will become a new person in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then you became born again. You are a new spirit being. Your flesh hasn't changed. Your mind hasn't changed. You have changed. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, ready to live free from the lies of the enemy. Amen. Well, that concludes this week's message. And here's the announcer to tell you more. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Our website is www.tomsmith.us. You can also contact the ministry by writing to Tom Smith Ministries, P.O. Box 300, Agora Hills, California, 91376. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, we love you, and blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And all things.